Oh, thank you. Yes. This is the color palette that I love. And I'm not sure how that reads on camera right now because the lighting system that I have, I have that LED lighting system where you can, you know, change it on your phone to sort of whatever mood you'd like. And right. uh, so it gives it a kind of pinkish orange hue, which also I'm really happy I invested in uh, now because there's a lot of time to be spent at home. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's good for your complexion. Right, exactly, because you know I don't tend to tan that much, so I'm kind of the color of the shirt. Without the, uh... <laughs> you look fabulous, and you just came from Storytime, right? I did Storytime with MKD. It was our ninth live uh, Storytime. We go on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, and you know I've done Storytime at a local theater called Blackfriars Theater, and it's called Imagination Station. It's sort of a cross between Pee Wee Herman. You know, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Sure. And Mr. Rogers. Okay. And I, you know, and so there's live music and dance. And, and so I thought, okay, well, I can't do all of that. Or I could, but it just, I'd rather not in the house. How do we just make it more Mr. Rogers and just simple sit down, read a book? Yeah. And it's been great. It's, it's, I just love kids. So it's, it's something that I felt like I didn't have as a kid. Okay. Sure. Out there in the world uh, for people and parents to say that, you know, it's okay to be different. Right. And here we are coming together yeah. uh, in this day and age now where, you know, we've got kids that come in and they might be dressed, you know, a boy might be dressed in a frozen dress mm -hmm. and, and, and that's okay. And their parents can be, come to a place and other kids, they're not teasing one another at the story hour. So it's right. just a real positive environment. Which is wonderful. And it's what we need, especially right now, because I imagine the stress levels for kids too, because you know, when you're so young, you don't really understand things in the same way that you do when you're older. The first time you have a, a heartbreak or the first time you're really, really sick or something when you're young, it seems like the end of the world. And this actually feels maybe to them like the end of the world. So you're providing something really wonderful for them. Well, thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. When we were kids, I know I remember I knew something was wrong. When something was wrong, I knew something was wrong. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't exactly understand the details, but I can feel the negativity. I could mm -hmm. feel the, the energy. And, you know, we're learning as a people that the kids, the kids sort of need to know the truth. You can't uh, hide it from them because then it gets weirder. And then I think that that leads to further anxieties and yeah. maladjustments. Right. Kids can read energy. People say, like, kids say the darndest things because they just tell it how it is. That's why. That's why. It's been a while since we chatted in a show, but we had a lovely time at uh, seeing each other at DragCon UK. Yeah, it's always good to see you. Lovely and, to see you. Yeah. And, Steve, and, and by the way, and Mr. Davis as well. I meant, sorry, I meant to say hello before, but I was concerned <laughs> by making sure the levels were right because I'm kind of new to doing the Zoom thing, and it's great. But, you know, when you're like, wait, did I, did I click the right thing? Did I do all that? So, uh. Yeah. Well, we're all we're all in the same boat, and I'm see I'm seeing us all like really rise to the occasion and yeah. find ways to connect, get together, and provide. Because the jokes out there, what does it say? Like you know, I finished Netflix. You yeah, know, right, right. You know, people need each other right now, and yeah. it's important for us to step up and do something. It is, and it's funny. It's uh, it almost worked out nicely in a way because we had been trying to do another conversation on their chat for the show for ages uh, but right. schedules and our travel schedules weren't lining up and everything but uh, what could be a better time for it than right now particularly because and we have some listener questions too from the hot dog club you know the patreon oh, cool. folks because there's a couple 
uh, folks in there that were really, really um, affected by our last chat, our previous chat. So many people, as you know. Well, I have never received more messages. I send them to you. Yeah, I, I love never... that, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> well, I, I just get messages where people say they listen to it over and over. And, and I mean, it was a spontaneous conversation, but I think that the fact of the matter is there's a level of truth that I've come to in my recovery process mm-hmm. where there's nothing else to, to tell. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. you're, you're in the moment, you tell the truth, and uh, people can sense that. I agree. And also, I've found that it's been really beneficial for me doing this show in general. Like a lot of things have changed in my life over the last two years. Uh, I've, you know, accepted and understood things about myself that maybe I was vague on before. And part of that whole process has been what you just said, the spontaneous conversations, because I don't even like to say interviews because I don't feel like they're interviews. And then I was re-listening to um, a Dick Cavett interview. He's one of my favorite broadcasters. And he said that when he started out, he was about to do the first show and his mentor said um, something like, now you're not going to do an interview. So don't do interviews. And he was like, I don't understand what you mean. And he said, just have a conversation. And that's right. really the, the the thing, you know, and uh, the more we're just um, unguarded and open about our issues, our feelings and everything, particularly in a time like this, when, well, you know, one of the reasons I started the lockdown daily series is to sort of uh, see how much we can, share with each other about every kind of feeling because some feelings are you know ugly or uh, embarrassing but right. uh the they're all valid and i think everything needs to be expressed right now because i think we're all going to be going through a crazy uh hyper cycle ups downs middles and then also some new emotions that maybe we hadn't uh discovered yet because we hadn't been in a situation like this it's all new yeah and and that's what I love so much about what you're doing and what so many other people well, are doing you. in terms of, yes, and, and because, you know, like AA, when I go to AA, you know, people sit around a room and all this, although the stories are different, you hear something similar. And that's what the world is doing. We're coming together. I have a, a spiritualist and energy person that I follow and mm-hmm. read his stuff. His name is Lee Harris. And he too mentioned, just like you said, that we're going through a cycle of emotions. And one of the things that we're going through right now is in some ways it's grief. Oh yeah. There's a loss of life as we knew it. Mm-hmm. And there's a fear or a question of what will be next. And that's, you are allowed to mourn that and to feel that fear. Absolutely. And you'll never get past it unless you sit in it. And yeah. exactly. And the only way out is through all that stuff is so true. Yeah. And it's funny because that's the stuff that seems the scariest and seems like the least appealing, right? Or like the least um, enjoyable way to spend the day. But (laughs) (laughs) now, not only, listen, I'm 49. My husband is about to turn 55. Mm -hmm. We're at a stage in our life where our daughters are about to get married. Oh, lovely. Our our one daughter is engaged, excuse me. And we're looking to hope for our other daughter. (laughs) I shouldn't have said it that way. But, you know, there's a new cycle for us and a new period of time and we were getting so excited about that and we still are but now we're we're wondering and i'm not going to lie to you i myself have been looking at like okay my mortality you know oh yeah you know what have i done have i done enough sure what else what else and what what's most important Mm -hmm. i think that's really key what's most important i've noticed that um i've been chatting with my family every day now 
which is great because it's just something that you sort of get out of the habit of. You know, you're traveling, you're busy, you're working too much or whatever, time zone differences, et cetera. Suddenly you're just not talking to them there one, maybe once a week and then maybe every 10 days. And so it's been really nice to get back into that and also realize how important that is, particularly when, for instance, I had a, a trip loosely planned for I don't know what month this year because I don't I, it's funny I think my brain has been like we put that in the trash and we can't retrieve it, it because you don't, <laughs> right. we, you don't want to think about that not being able to do that has really highlighted how much I want to see my dad who's 82 and mm. then you go back to the uncertainty that you mentioned and I find that um one of my potential great stressors all the time is anxiety about things that are uncertain right but then that goes into, I think, some stuff that maybe we touched on before about being in the present and how we have to remain in the present. And obviously, we think about the future plans and goals and, and all of that. But uh, what are your thoughts about, or strategies rather, for avoiding the obsession with future stuff that leads to right. anxiety? That was such a big part of my drinking, my uh-huh. anxiety about what was happening next. Right. What else I had to do, what I didn't do. Uh, and so alcohol, for me at least, sure, kind of zone me out. Right. And I've learned some cute little sayings, cute little sayings, but <laughs> fear, false evidence appearing real. Oh, sure. And, 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 and how we think. We get ourselves into this, this process of thinking into doing nothing. Oh, sure. While we're thinking and thinking and thinking and worrying about what may or may not happen. Mm-hmm we're missing what's actually happening right now that might be right in front of our eyes. I find, you know, one of my trip ups is I'll get into that cycle of thinking about things or dreading. That's the word I was trying to think of dreading stuff, things I want to do and have planned to do because I like to do them. But suddenly then you're thinking about a row of things. I I think I had one of this last, one of these last night um, because, you know, with the accelerated schedule of the daily show, which by the way, I love, and I'm thanks so thankful for, but especially in this time where I really have to be focused on something. Do you know right. what I mean? Uh, although I still have to make time to watch movies. So I have that in my date book for later tonight. <laughs> you know, I was like, schedule. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. That's step two. Cause also my sleep schedule slides around at the best of times. And currently forget about it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, I think you too, because we were texting one time at like four in the morning and I, or, or something, yeah. maybe you just gotten up, but, um, I had this thing last night because I, I've been sleeping in fits and starts, but that's okay. Like with a lot of things during this era, I just go, well, that's fine. You know what I mean? Like order some queso, fine. You know, whatever, <laughs> whatever works for whatever reason. I was like, oh, you know, and then I got to edit that and then I got to do that and making too big of a thing out of everything. And then thankfully I was able to stop. It's nice when those periods of uh, the dread and anxiety are like a manageable like sitcom length, you know, 45 <laughs> right. minutes, maybe like a British sitcom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, two things, one of the things that come to mind that when I think about that is that you're a go-getter. I consider myself a go-getter. Sure. There are people when they hear be in the moment, you know, let things, you know, happen as they should. They think that's giving up on planning and being productive. And right. no, it's, it's, Having those things, having those plans and having those uh, goals and everything set mm-hmm. and then being where your feet are. Yes. You know, when I get so anxious and I get so thinking like that ahead and it often ends up being a negative thought, I kind of physically look down to my feet and say, 
what's happening right here and looking around like, you know, what, what is it that I can be doing at this moment? You know, there are some other fellow performers that I know of who don't know what to do right now because their their tours have been canceled. And so, but they're doing nothing because they're in a cycle of, I don't know what to do. And they're verbalizing, I don't know what to do. So Mm -hmm. then you stay in, I don't know what to do. Right. Do something because right now, everybody's perspective matters because it's new for all of us. Exactly. However, this is affecting you, you by you sharing it through a joke on Twitter or a video or a zoom or Mm -hmm. however you share that you may be helping somebody else uh, through it. And the other thing that you were asking is like, what other tools I had this negative self-talk that must've started from a young age. And I've heard somebody mention this before. They said they wake up in the morning and they dread the day or they dread, ah, I have to go down and make coffee. Like the most ridiculous, you know, just dreading thing. Yeah, yeah. And I read this book and it's, it's called Thank and Grow Rich. And it sounds like you're going to get money. Well, you might, but you'll have sure. experiences and things. What she's saying in there is that you have to consciously change, force yourself in the morning. The first moment you wake up, instead of saying, like what I used to do is like poke, like, oh, Hey, Chubby, you want to get out and go for a run? Like, I would literally have that joke kind of attitude in my head, but yet cutting. Yeah. Change it to, it's going to be a productive day. I'm going to hear wonderful news. There's going to be an opportunity that's going to come my way. I believe in blessings and miracles, whatever. Whatever you need to verbalize, but positive thinking. And then at first you're like, this is so corny. (laughs) But then you start to wake up and that's your first thought. That's right. It's just like any habit. I was talking on the show recently about if you have uh, an orange soda out of the blue, but every morning for three or four mornings, your system's suddenly going to want it. It's going to become part of your routine. You know, like that's because I was, I think I was talking about how people will do something, whatever it is, take the edge off in a time like this. And it it doesn't have to be substances. It could be anything, you know, like, uh, uh, or any habit that, or anything that we do that we do uh, too often or unconsciously that can be kind of, become a habit uh, can be either um, productive or destructive. So the destructive ones obviously are bad. uh, And it's the same with thoughts. Like you were saying, you know, adopting positive self-talk can feel cheesy, can feel like something almost in your mind. You're like, you think that someone's going to mock you for it, even though no one can hear what's in your head, you know, Because, (laughs) because I think we internalize a lot of the negative things that maybe come at us as kids, particularly uh, as queer people, there's a lot of things, you know, that sort of like leave us maybe vulnerable to things or that we're shy about or insecure about. For me, I had a weight issue um, a lot of times in my life, but particularly as a kid. And so I think uh, that weird critic in the back of your mind, uh, the heckler, I sometimes call it, is an internalized version of all of that um, negative yep. stimulus. And what we, we have as an option is we those thoughts and those that heckler can come out in, in a form of words that you'll just be saying, like, given this, say, this particular situation that we're in, we're all, you know, I'm home, I'm bored. Okay. Yeah. I'm home. I'm going to find something to do today. Absolutely. They're still saying you're bored, but it's just a different script. And by changing the script, the outcome will be different because you stay in the negative. Mm-hmm. If you continue to say, oh, gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm pacing. I'm bored. You can stop and say, I'm feeling stressed. I'm going to sit down for a second. Right. And just giving yourself a moment to rest Mm -hmm. will all of a sudden something will come to you. 
it could be as simple as a house chore or, you know, whatever you need to do, or you'll all of a sudden somebody will come into your mind to call. Right. But you didn't give yourself the clarity, the moment to just sit. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you don't have to be sober to do this. You don't have to be, you know, whatever, however you are, you just give yourself that second and stop the verbalizing right. and the thinking and just let something and it will come to you. I always think it's best to talk to yourself like you would to a beloved friend. Like think of one of your best friends who you would counsel through anything. Who You, you know, you could right. always see them sad and you'd want to fix it. Well, why wouldn't you do that for yourself? You know, because you deserve yeah. that and you love yourself, right? So what's wrong with that? So I definitely have done a lot of self-talking and I'll do it out loud too because I live alone. <laughs> I have always, ever since I was a kid, I would talk to myself and my I remember my parents like knock on the the bathroom door and they're like eddie crazy people talk to themselves and i'm like i'd be in the mirror i'm like well I'm crazy you know <laughs> i i liked it and i learned because i didn't fit in i didn't feel like i was I, I knew i was loved but i didn't feel like i was liked i didn't feel like i was meeting approvals sure i learned out of somewhere to look deep into my own eyes and say i love you and i used to do that quietly in the bathroom and i would have to I would have to say it out loud and, mm-hmm. and like, you know, I would get ready for the day and I'd look in the mirror and be like, I love you, you know? And like, it's not that it wasn't said in my family. It wasn't, yeah. it was just, I, I didn't feel like I was accepted in so many different ways until you, you know, that whole the cliche of love yourself, you know, but that took time. God damn it. It took me until I was 44. Sure. I mean, a lot of things take uh, a long time. And I think sometimes people can get discouraged about that or get, um, fatalistic or say well what does it matter like ah that's not for me but i think that that's a mistake because it's never too late right i mean some of the things we say might sound like cliches but the reason that they've stuck like they have is because they're very true now when rupaul says if you can't love yourself how can you love somebody else i mean that's faultless logic doing things like saying i love you in the mirror who cares if you feel foolish doing it, just do it for a week and if you don't like it you can always ditch it but i bet it (laughs) might you know make an, an improvement I like what you said too about how it take some things just take time. And when I came off a drag race and crashed and burned because everybody was successful and I wasn't, I was playing the comparison game. Mm. It took me some time to just go like, what do you really want? What do you want to look like? And who, you know, what more can you build upon on this, this experience? And in, it only seems to be building for me where, you know, season seven, I didn't do fabulous and I left or, you know, came back home and toured a bit, but then it was, it was quiet. But ever since then, it slowly has gotten busier. And I think that's m- many things, the success of the the, sh- the show itself, but, and the acceptance of drag in, in mainstream, sure. but also just my kind of perception of like looking at myself and being like, what are you doing? And yeah. don't rush it. Mm-hmm. Let it organically happen. Refresh my memory. How long after season seven did you get sober? Mm, it was a couple months. So this summer it'll be five years. We were talking about it's never too late and doing things later. Did you ever at, at any time in the initial stages of getting sober, did you have any um, remorse? I should have done this earlier or anything like that? No, I really... First off, I believe is that, that... Is that the sound of a lie being told? Because I, I, 
I don't. Somehow, I don't know how to turn that notification off. Oh, that's okay. Um, Listen, Link Devices led to one of the most exciting moments on an episode that I've had uh, in a while. So uh, go ahead. No, I, I, I didn't. Well, first off, when I realized it was time to get sober, yeah, I had what was considered a white light moment. Um, I think I may or may not have touched on this, but it was a, it was my third DUI, right? And it was early in the day, and I was arrested in my front yard, blackout. Next day, Stephen, my husband, Mr. Davis, tells me, you know, the police report says you were swerving from children. So I literally fell to my knees and looked out the window. I was like, I would give up anything. God forbid. Thank God. Thank you for not letting that happen. Sure. I didn't hurt anyone, and obviously myself, but not as important, but that I didn't hurt somebody else. And it was not like white light. It was just like, you're not going to drink anymore. Sure. And it it got really quiet and it got really, it, I knew I would, was willing to give up my husband and my kids. I was willing to give up my home. I was willing to give up the whole drag thing. I was like, I'll just start some new life. I don't know what that is. And I didn't get too far ahead of myself and got into rehab and got into the program. But mm-hmm. it was like one moment at a time. It was like rebuilding life. Right. And uh, I didn't feel like I had regret that I didn't, I just felt like I was unconscious for for many years as much as i thought i was present i just was unconscious i was completely i was completely just running on some sort of like alcohol xanax coffee diet pills like just and there were moments in my sobriety where i would be sitting in the morning after a meditation or whatever and i look around the house and i'd be like i don't remember this is a nice house (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Whose house like, is this, by the way? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, or you know, I I would even look at my husband and sometimes I'd be like, I just I haven't really looked at you this much in the moment or this slowly before. I was always just like, you know, taking things for granted. And right. So that kind of waking up, whatever had to happen to get there had to happen. But thank God, it wasn't worse. Really, I wanted to cover that because I kind of had a sense that that was the case that you didn't have regrets. Oftentimes, people have that feeling about either uh, achieving something or uh, not taking care of something before. And sometimes it can, I think, lead them to not pursue either the goal or the self-betterment because it's almost like too much to grapple with. You know what I mean? Because if I acknowledge that I'm sort of wrong now or this way isn't working for me, then is everything that I've done stupid? I I just feel like some people get caught up in that. So I, I was happy to have you talk about that bit you're saying that made me think of someone i was heard someone sharing one time about an absolutely tragic situation where he was so drunk driving that he ended up to avoid an accident yeah he thought well he thought he was going one way and he ended up running over six people oh, oh my god wow now yeah he spent much a, a very long time trying to figure out how to go on with life Right. But he found that it just, you know, took little bits and pieces. Now, that's a very dramatic example. Sure. But there are so many stories and people can, you know, we're on, we're on this earth and everybody's got something. Yeah. Everybody's going through something. Everybody, we, one of the things that would, that I would grapple with is like, if I would look, if I, if I found myself trying to look back and saying, I should have, could have, would have, the reality is that I'm really kind of comparing myself to somebody else who I think did it all right. And they didn't. 
They're just, right. I don't know their story. Sure. But we can imagine, we, we always imagine that the other people have it more figured out or right. uh, we're smarter about things. And really that's an outgrowth of the negative self-talk. There's, right. no, there's no proof. We're imagining these things. And actually, <laughs> exactly. you know, we can imagine ourselves into the situations we want to get to. But sometimes, unfortunately, we get hung up in these ideas. We're like, ah, well, of course, I couldn't do that because I'm whatever stupid or not talented enough or whatever, right. whatever it is, whatever shitty thing that <laughs> you want to stick in the uh, mad lid. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's such a corny thing, right? To say, just believe in yourself. Well, you know what? That is hard to do or be yourself. Right. But the fact of the matter is that it is that simple that the more that you can just be your most authentic self and, you know, do what you love, right. things will happen. The problem is it's not, or, or, or the obstacle is oftentimes, it's not going to happen in your time and you have no control over that timeline. That's very so true. You just have to do it yeah. and, and just keep going. Right. That's the key. And even when you think that you have it all sort of mapped out, and you might be achieving the things that you were hoped to achieve. They're not going to happen on your timeline. Like you said, it's not going to be according to your plan, but you won't get there at all unless you take the plunge in whatever it is, you know, whether it's yeah. uh, getting sober or uh, pursuing art or, or whatever, you know, uh, learning how to fix a car. Unless you start doing something, it'll never happen. It was funny. I was talking to my mom the other day who's uh, struggling a bit with restlessness because she's kind of... um not an anxious person, but you know, she doesn't like to be in the house all the time. Right. Like a lot of people don't. And also my dad went up to Massachusetts ahead of her. And of course that all happened right around the time where then travel couldn't happen. And, uh, uh right. So that's a very new experience for them. You know, they've been together a very long time. It's a lot of things to get used to for my mom right now. And I'm happy to talk to her with her about this because in a much smaller sense, I, you know, when I learned to be on my own, in my apartment granted a different situation you know it was i'd lived with someone for a long time and then we'd split up and there was all kinds of stuff uh, associated with that which also i thought of that when you said the, about the times when you were just sort of going like from here to here to here and not really being in the moment because sometimes the moment is a little too uh, freaky because you think oh i have to unpack this deal with it and who wants to do that no i just i think i'll escape right. into something else but uh <laughs> thankfully that that's not the case now Anyway, I was just talking to her about the process of getting used to being by myself in my apartment. And I was happy to not be with the person anymore at the time. So it wasn't like, oh, why don't they come back? Or only if they would come back. It was more like, I don't even know what this is like. <laughs> so it's, right. I was so happy about it, but it was so alien, which is kind of like right now, it's such an alien thing for so many people to just be cut off. When I was stuck at home without a license, Mm -hmm. I would have to like compartmentalize the day. I went from this busy, busy job, or I might be on tour for a, a week or so, and I come home to nothing. Right. So what do I do? You know, I wake up and I would kind of compartmentalize the day into small bits, and that would help me get through that restless, kind of irritable thing sure. moment. That is very difficult for people, especially certain personality types who just sure. have this go, go, go kind of attitude or, or mentality. I was never a napper and it was, I, mm -hmm. I was like, you know what, right now, I think what I need to do is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I just need to sit down and, and actually take that nap, you know, 
Um, I've struggled with that too, but you know, I, I tend to be a bit of a workaholic, you know, which actually right. works out nicely in this situation because <laughs> I'm like, I'll do a daily show. Um, but, uh, it's good because I, I do love to do it and I'm thankful that I can do this, you know, and, and be doing it all the time. I just need to also factor in that I need to take breaks or else I exhaust myself. Um, right. for what you said about compartmentalizing the day is, uh, such a good point. It, it's a lot about making the days work for you and your rhythms, right? For instance, the sleep schedule thing. Mine has always been kind of berserk, but I don't care anymore. Like it's fine. As long as I right. don't stay up too long. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Or like or like get it so messed up where, you know, I have appointments early and then I'm up, but I'm on nighttime schedule and you got you know, that whole thing. When you jet lag yourself at home. Right. When we were talking about the restlessness thing, I was thinking a lot about how um being still and even including in that watching films or reading can be at times something that has to be an applied discipline that you actually have to work on, which seems strange because relaxation is something that we think is just supposed to just happen. Then you can right. get uptight and bummed out if you aren't, aren't able to actually achieve that. You hear people talk about, I can't meditate. I can't, yeah. I can't. So first of all, they keep saying they can't, which in my mind- Which makes it certain, yeah. Is, yeah it's not going to happen. But then the other thing is, uh, you know, sitting and meditating, it, it actually does take a, a little bit of a practice and a moment. And maybe you need music. Maybe you need a certain temperature, you know, whatever right. the case may be. But you'll find those things. And to be in those moments, I find it so fascinating how uh, in those moments, that is when I've written, I wrote a bunch of kids' songs for our imagination station. Mm-hmm. I'll just sit down and all of a sudden, I just start to write and this whole thing comes out Yeah. or I'll find other times I have these journals that I keep next to me. Mm -hmm. I'll flip the page open and this something comes out and it is so fun. You know, just that experience alone to just be like, is this being channeled? Am I kind of like in some other zone that is like a dreamlike zone? I don't know, but it's a, it's a fun, creative experience. And it, it, again, like you said, it takes the practice. It doesn't just, you don't just sit there and go right into like, you know, Buddha mode. No, right. Exactly. You know, and there's no <laughs> author that just suddenly sat there and just boom, out came a book. It's a lot of uh, hard graft. You know, songwriters always say that the first batch are terrible. You have to go through those. If you don't make the bad ones, you can't get through to the other side. And so it's a lot about delaying gratification. What I imagine weight training to be, not that I've ever dallied in that, uh, that filthy business, but uh, from, from play, <laughs> filthy. From, filthy, disgusting, uh, perverted uh, waste of time. Uh, right. uh, <laughs> but from playing drums and then guitar and everything, you know, when you first start playing drums, things hurt and then you get blisters. But if you stop or if you um, don't do it every day or whatever, you know, when you're starting out, uh, you, the blisters um, will go away and then you get new blisters if you don't you know, consistently practice and same with guitar. But you're never going to get to the place you want to go without those like aggravating or like uncomfortable times, which I think it it holds true for everything. For everything. And what's great is that sort of discipline and the uh, pursuit of it, because I, as a kid was never really fit and uh, I got bouts of it and in and out, in and out. So in the last several years, I began jogging mm-hmm. and I have a friend who kind of encouraged me to do it. And she said, she was a trainer too. She was like, listen, stop saying I'm not a runner. Right. Say I'm a runner. Right. right. And then you go, so what if you're, you know, they have these apps like Couch to 5K or whatever. So what, how fast you go? 
So yeah. what, how long you go, you did it. And mm -hmm. now if you do it more consistently, like anything else, more and more, you can go further, you can go longer, you can go faster, whatever. So it just gets, sometimes as we all say with anything, it's just getting started. Some things, yeah, you're not going to be interested in after you try them and then it's, they go away. But I think uh, to not do stuff because you think you can't, I don't think can't exists if you're interested in something. I could say pretty confidently that I can't really play sports because I don't want to, but it's not, I can't, it's that I don't want to, and I don't want to watch a game because I can't, I, I, when I say I can't follow them, it's just, I don't want, I'm not interested. So I don't want to follow it. You know what it's I mean? It's like when, people, when they ask me to make a dress, I'm like, why? I have good credit. I'm not Amish. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And th that's a good point too. There's no reason to make yourself guilty for things that don't really matter. Like if you're not inclined to do something or if you're not a type of way or wh who cares, that's not right. you. That's for someone else to do. There's a lot of roles and slots in society or, or whatever. Uh, there's a lot of um, positions in the company. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> it's like when people, if you're, if you're into theater, when people uh, audition and they only want a certain role, but then they find out they get a different role or they might be working tech or front of house yeah. and they have the most amazing time. It's still, it's all p bits and pieces where everybody's necessary. I want to get to some of the listener questions now, though. I've been really enjoying this chat, but I, I feel like if I don't do it now... We'll never do it. Exactly. Our first question is from Megan R.U.K., who says, hope you're both doing well. Thank you, Megan. She has a question that I think we answered, but let's go through it anyway. Kasha, would you please tell us a bit more about your involvement with Imagination Station, their work in general, and how you came to work together? I think you mentioned earlier, right? But is there anything that we left out? We talked about it. And I think right now we're, you know, sort of on hold because of obvious reasons. Sure. But what I'm putting out there and what I'm projecting is that there's going to be a Mrs. Kasha Davis children's show, whether it's on, you know, a uh, streaming thing or it's going to be something on public broadcasting. Sure. Uh, or bigger. You know, my intention is to to bring that to kids on a weekly basis. And uh, and I'm excited about it. It, it. As we were also saying, it's something that I did not expect I would do. Sure. It kind of organically evolved and grew into something that I'm so passionate about. And it's truly still my favorite thing to do in drag. We continue with Remy Ive, who wrote, Hello, hi, Craig and Kasha. It's nice to hear you both again. Could you tell us your favorite books and uh, also what it was about these books that left lasting impressions on you? Favorite books? Well, books in terms of children's books or books that um, I think there's both. Todd Parr, in terms of children's books, uh -huh. is an author who I'm just in love with. He is, the books are very colorful. They're, they have a, a, a basic look to them, but they are, they zero right in. The last one I read today was about kindness, being yourself. They're just beautifully written mm -hmm. and they seem to have, they're very inclusive. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that. And uh, of course, I wrote my two kids' books, which I can't even believe came out of, came out of me, to be honest. Um, <laughs> And what are those called for folks who have to add them to their collection? That's right. Well, one is uh, Little Eddie P Wants to Be a Star, mm -hmm. which is essentially my life story. And the dad, the dad in there is like, no, 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 you have to be this, which is boyish. And then uh, comes to a, a positive at the end. And then your gift is your smile, which came to me when I saw some kids in the grocery store just smiling at some older people. And then they're smiling back. And I thought, you know, what a gift to be able to, to give of yourself. It's right. just as, sim as simple as your smile. No, that's lovely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My favorite books are self-help books. I just, I'm, I'm consciously uh, and continuously trying to find ways to improve and be more in the moment. I, I love Eckhart. 
Mm-hmm. And I love, you know, I love what he has to say in his teachings. I love um, autobiographies and biographies. And also, I think one of my favorite books, I just got a new copy of it. I hadn't had it in a long time. The Andy Warhol Diaries. Oh. It's so great. It's just, you know, this chronicle of all the stuff that was going on, his processes. And also, you know, he's kind of a, a bit of a fibber about some of his, you know, he lies about some of uh, the drugs and stuff like that. But it's funny because when you know that, you can see the little slips and cracks in the uh, wallpaper well and he's also from a different generation where it was like we don't admit that yeah exactly exactly yeah i think he said that he once or twice like rubbed some cocaine on his teeth or something like that but the you know the other books about him are a bit different about the studio <laughs> right, 54 yeah. days and then uh, the bob fossey biography is great and i i love reading stories about people who pursued their interests uh despite it being perhaps considered foolhardy and in terms of um, uh, fiction, Stephen King books and also Tom Wolfe's The Bonfire of the Vanities. I love that and mm-hmm. haven't read it in a long time. So maybe I'll revisit that and also revisit the uh, Brian De Palma adaptation that, that was like one of the most legendary bombs of the 1980s. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get some suggestions from you because I'll, I'll get stuck in the self-help area, which is where I'm at. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We move on to Lindsay Rose, who writes, Hi, Mrs. Kasha Davis. Love and miss you. And you too, of course, Craig. So what are some activities you've been doing to stay sane during quarantine or quarantine, as I've been saying lately? Uh, Also, it looks like most Pride celebrations are probably going to get canceled this year if they haven't been already. Any ideas on how to celebrate from home? Well, first off, if you're drinking, there's always time for a cocktail. Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Uh, Alcohol sales have been pretty. Uh, uh, I heard these days. Some people will say, "Well, the 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 liquor stores are not essential." Yes, they are. <laughs> you don't want those people going through uh, detox. Let them drink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's okay, just like the dispensaries. I've recently discovered yeah. a fondness for weed. It usually didn't work well for me before, but I found uh, the right strain, and I, I'm a very light uh, user of it. But uh, I find it helps with anxiety. And um, CBD is like the greatest thing ever. So my father, when he was going through his uh, cancer treatment, they uh, had suggested oils and things like oh, that. Sure. And, they were explaining, and they were explaining to him that um, if he were to, you can't overdose on, on marijuana. Right. Um, you, you just can't. Whereas if you took pain meds. Oh, yeah. And you don't know that you're, you're, taking, you're taking too many, you can overdose and have a heart attack. Right. Or the drug interaction stuff too, as well. You know, like you can right. mix the wrong thing so, with an antacid or whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so the things that we're doing, honestly, we're lucky. We live in a neighborhood where we can get out and walk. So we're trying to get out and get into the nature as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this bit of an OCD. So I'm getting, you know, organizing things and cleaning out things that I, that I wouldn't normally uh, get to. And so that's been good. I actually have a project. Now I come from a time when we actually had photos printed and it just so happens that, you know, my parents have both passed. And so 
our siblings, we all distributed photos. Well, now we just had these big boxes of just all mixed together photos. Sure. So we were laughing because I told Steve and I'm like, well, we're going to have to have Steve's past, Ed's past, then Ed and Steve together and Tina Turner. And he was like, <laughs> why Tina Turner? I was like, well, I have not thrown away every piece of like clipping and magazine article from all my Tina Turner. And I'm like, she actually has a lot in there. <laughs> so, <laughs> She's had a very full life. So, you know. She, yeah. So I have a lot of Tina Turner. Yeah. So, you know, putting that together. But then, you know, I think we've touched on it, just finding ways to connect with people through the technology that we're gifted with. And, right. And that's been helpful. I don't really like a lot of sitting and watching TV. You know, when I'm home alone, I like to listen to music and that could turn into writing or sure. doodling, drawing. TV, ugh. it's just sometimes it's so repetitive. I'd rather listen to something like this or, you know, get on YouTube and just find old clips of things. Sure. Uh, oh, I love so, that. YouTube digging, it's the greatest. Oh. What was your most recent rabbit hole on YouTube? Well, I always get stuck on uh, interviews with old celebrities like <laughs> Lucio Ball or, you know, I mean, I'm just like, it's always these old ladies. That, sure. Because, you know, sure. obvious. And I just, <laughs> I go back and I, and you know, Judy Garland, I could be on there for days, you oh, know, yeah. just watching and just, and studying the moments where you can tell she was just not right. And then she snaps into character and you're like, whoa, like yeah, um, behind the scenes, stuff like that. So I dig for like, you know, rarest interview with Tina Turner, rarest interview. Sure. It's all, the, all, my, all my divas. When I was uh, recuperating in London, I watched a lot of Oprah and I watched, I went on this like Divas Day uh, where I watched like her with Cher and her with Bette Midler. And then the most recent Tina Turner interview, which I'm, I'm sure you, you've seen from like three, four years ago, something like that. Yeah. She's in like this gold and bronze yeah. kind of suit. And, yeah. 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 And it's, and I think it's, it's at her place and it's at one of her homes or something. And it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. It so I love how she says, at one point, Oprah asks a question, and she's like, yeah, um, somebody asked me to do this, that, and then she goes, and Tina's like, Google it. And I'm like, go, Tina. You know what Google is. Oh, yeah. You know? She's up on yeah. the latest. Yeah. She's and, right also, up on it. and also, for anyone listening who hasn't seen it, there's a great documentary from, I think, the mid-90s called The Girl from Nutbush that's oh. on YouTube now, and it's terrific. Fantastic. And uh, Bowie fans, check that out as well, because there's an interesting story, right, as you know, about how Bowie was instrumental in her getting signed to EMI. And what, he, he helped her tremendously. For me, for keeping sane, doing the show, uh, maintaining contact with people, checking in on friends. It's funny because I had this pre-quarantine period. Quarantine. The pre-quarantine yeah. days. When I was in <laughs> London recuperating, I was essentially by myself in a hotel for a long time too. So it was an interesting like preview of <laughs> but I also I, I'm used to spending long stretches of time by myself, which I'm really thankful for. I enjoy my own company and also I'm never bored. And I always feel bad for people who say they're bored because I feel that it's not really boredom. It's maybe a restlessness or it's maybe mm -hmm. an indecision about what to do like we were talking about before like should i do this should i do that and then before you know it the day is over that certainly still happens to me from time to time but i just never think right. of it as bored because um there's always just something else that i want to see or whatever there's another youtube rabbit hole to go down i started going down on a sammy davis jr rabbit hole Ooh, that's a good one and besides tina turner who are some of your other favorite uh, artists well it's all divas it's tina turner Bette midler of course sure. oh, that's funny I 
What? Judy Garland. A, yeah. What? Really? That's <laughs> very basic. Um, no, B no, Ar they're classics. It's like they're the thing classic. you say about cliche. They're amazing. Well, B. Arthur. I mean, her one-woman show is just incredible, and she doesn't sound like a, a, a accomplished singer. She just, you know, gets right on there and just tells her story. And uh, uh, Elaine Stritch. Oh, okay, um, yeah. You know these these old Broadway gals. Um, that are like, but I would, you know, I was also thinking, you know, somebody who I was so fascinated with as a child and just really just, I felt like connected to him was Jerry Lewis. Oh yeah. Yeah. When he passed away, it was just, I think as he got older, he just really fell out of favor. And it's sad to me because boy, when, when I was a kid, he was just, he was just fantastic. And of course he had his telethon and all that, but he was just so funny with that typewriter thing. And yeah. like it, Look at some of that classic comedy and just the shtick is incredible. Beyond the comedy, too, he created the video assist thing that allows filmmakers to watch the video tap and not right. have to wait for dailies. I mean, that's incredible. And a lot of other innovations in filmmaking yeah. as well. He actually, I think there's a documentary, right? Yeah, there is. There is. I can't remember the name of it, but it, a really good one. And also, if anyone listening hasn't seen The King of Comedy, it's... Um, incredibly great film very stressful film though i remember when i showed it to my mom halfway through she's like i can't i can't take any more of this yeah <laughs> but it's uh jerry lewis robert de niro and sandra bernhardt in her screen debut yeah. directed by martin scorsese oh and then about the uh the pride celebrations so yeah it looks like pride's not going to happen this year in the way that we're used to but we're still gonna obviously celebrate pride how would you recommend celebrating from home Ooh, well I think, like you said, as we know it, it's not going to happen. There will be something because I'm so fascinated by how quickly we're finding like different ways to do uh, Zoom and yeah. other formats and other types of celebrations that'll be, whether it's going to be something, maybe this will be a year where we don't have to be out in a festival. Maybe there'll be a, a week long thing on television. Maybe something sure. will you know, come up in a different, a different way that way for us. Um, I think that, what we can do at home, which I think is so cool. When I go on the walks, I notice like people are having for sake of conversation birthdays. Sure. And people will drive by, the family will drive by that person's house, go out front and beep the horn. You know, no one's, everyone's keeping their, in their cars. No one's interacting that way, yeah. but it's cute. Or a neighbor, I saw a neighbor set up um, on the back on the back fence, they put all balloons mm -hmm. and put a sign that said happy birthday. You know, it's like things like that. We're never going to forget because it's so different and new. Right. Um, so there's something creative that, that you can do. If you want to celebrate pride, you can decorate your outside of your house with every color of the rainbow and have your own pride festival, blast the music and have a great time. It'll be interesting to see how people find ways to celebrate and, and just get creative with it options are i wouldn't say limitless but really it's down to our imagination and one of the good things that i think is going to come out of this period because there's always good things uh in a horrible situation not necessarily presented to us on a platter but like we were talking about before it's about our choices and how we maneuver or uh move forward it out of dark places and what right. you do with that information and how you then decide okay, I'm starting this or whatever, like we talked about before. I think that that's such a key thing. And I talk about it a lot, but I think it's something that can't be restated too often because right. we all have the choice to go down this way or that way, you know, or maybe that way. So um, I think for Pride, 
I, I agree with you completely that there's going to be a lot of interesting and creative things to do. And actually something that I think I'm going to do for movie club for hot dog club and Patreon is do basically a pride film festival, you know, because I've been increasing the number of movie clubs because we're all at home. So there's a lot of films up there that uh, don't have guests uh, attached yet. If you'd like to do one, I would love that. And, right. And um, we basically just, we watch the movie and the hot dog club submits comments and questions about the film and then you know we do a chat like this but it's all about the movie but it, we go off into tangents you know that, that, right. that which is the show lots of films that are going to go up now like the apple so i think that there's a lot of stuff that we can do and we have a little bit of time you know before then right. and then we know that the next time we're able to have pride out and about it's going to be insane I, I think that's that's a general feeling is that at some point hopefully yeah the majority of us will realize how grateful we will be for those times in the future and maybe not take things for granted the way maybe some of us were. You know, I think all of us are going to have a lot of things that we're a little bit more awake to or right. uh, a little bit more aware of, and it's going to serve us well once we're out of this. Thank you, Lindsay. And we move on to Inesh Batata. And she writes, Yay, Craig and Mrs. Davis. Hope this finds you both well. I have to say I fell in love with Kasha from her previous appearance on this show, so this is a nice full circle moment. My question is, what have been the challenges of staying home all day with your partner, even in a long-term, stable, and loving relationship? Thank you, first, for your compliments. And secondly, that's a great question. The reality of the matter is we're having a great time. And I, I have a... Um, I feel a little bit guilty saying that. Uh, I know, first off, some relationships are not in that state. Yeah. And then, uh, but we just enjoy each other. He works in one room. I'm doing cameos or videos like this in another. Yeah. Or, uh, of course, Max, our dog who's rooting around right now, um, gets to go on extra walks and things like that. But we're actually, it's it's been very good for our relationship. Well, that's lovely. And it's key to have... Uh, a- two rooms at least no there are a few times where i'm like you know what i'm gonna go for a drive and i just needed to get out and drive around a little bit i didn't go anywhere you know uh i I just went out and got away for a minute and then it was like reset everyone needs their own just private time no matter what the situation no matter how great it is yeah yeah the next question comes from Utaka, and let's see if I get his last name right. Utaka Tamanaha. So Utaka, you let me know. You write in and let me know. And that's a classic hallmark of the Hot Dog Club questions is that uh, sometimes the last name is just going to be uh, drive the train right into the wall. Uh, well, so it's, sometimes it's fun to see if I'm right or not. So Utaka writes, I met Mr. and Mrs. Kasha Davis at DragCon LA 2019. I bought a handbag too. We gabbed about our fur babies. And so, of course, I have to ask, how is Max doing with all of this? Of course, we just mentioned oh. Max, but how how is Max doing in general with everything? Oh, Max is so good. He's literally sitting right next to me now, waiting to go for another W-A-L-K. <laughs> um, I, I think he can spell, so. Uh, <laughs> he's wonderful. Recently, he uh, developed some seizures. and oh, no. uh, Yeah, and he's he's six years old now, and they say it's adult epilepsy, but he's been put on medication, and so we've been able to spend you know extra time with him and talk about grateful. I mean, he... I got him, we adopted him right when I was getting sober and he mm-hmm. became sort of like my, my little spirit guide. Yeah. Uh, Max is just, I mean, he's just my boy, you know? Yeah. If I spend too much time on the phone or technology, he'll swat it right out of my hand, you know? 
he knows, he taught me how to be in the moment. He'll look out the window and I just, sometimes I'll sit by him and I'm like, I can do this too. I could just look and, and appreciate the outdoors. So he's wonderful. And honestly, uh, you just, you just never know. You can't take things for granted. He got, he had that happened and we were scared, but he seems to be doing okay now. And, uh, medicated. We thought maybe he would be a little different, but he's not. Oh, so. good. That's, that's a relief because yeah. it can be really scary with pets because it's very hard for them to explain what their discomfort is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, let's see. Utaka continues with, nothing will take the place of seeing Kings and Queens live, but I can't wait for your digital drag show. Oh, yes. And when we is our, that, by the way? So our second one is uh, Sunday, no, is <laughs> Saturday, April 18th. <laughs> our second show is Saturday, April 18th. And the first time I sort of did my condensed version of the story of my life. And now this time I'm just showing you some of the, my favorite numbers to perform. Mr. Davis is going to sing. Oh, wonderful. And yeah. So it's, it's, it's called, it's still called, there's no place like home uh -huh. because you know, we're all home and it's <laughs> going to be a little bit of, a little bit of Lars Manelli and a little bit of, uh, you know, just some fun songs and, and we'll of course sing cocktail. Well, of course. Right. Cause there's yeah. always time. There's always time for a cocktail. <laughs> And then uh, Yutaka also wants to know what you think of the changing performance landscape in this time. So I think that it is inspiring and it's interesting. And I think that I'm going to say this thing. Some of the gals need to know to not have the window behind them sure. and not to have like four feet of space above their head <laughs> or hang a drape, frame the room. Don't right. just... You know, they'll hang a drape and you'll see the thumbtacks and you'll see the toilet. <laughs> yeah. And they're singing a ballad. And I'm like, okay, you know, but again, it's new and it's fun to watch. Did you see and did you hear the other day, yesterday, the day before, a queen in Florida? Mm -hmm. She got a little hammered and she might have been smoking a little something. Uh -huh. Fell asleep. So she does a performance. She chugs her drink. Yeah. Big drink, like big. Chugs <laughs> it, puts it down, and then the makeup starts to come off. The hair is off. She falls asleep. She falls asleep for I don't know how many hours. I know, like during like detox, everybody was on this commenting. Yeah, she raised, I think nineteen hundred dollars in her Venmo. Wow, amazing! For sleeping. For amazing. Sleep. Yeah, it's incredible. Like it, this is a whole new <laughs> landscape. It's an amazing thing because that is a fascinating thing to watch it reminds me of uh sometimes on the howard stern show occasionally a caller would be waiting for like a long time on the phone and have fallen asleep by the time he picks up on them so <laughs> one time they let someone just uh, snore the whole way through the news and it's fascinating right. and then when they yeah. woke up you're like oh my god he woke up you know what i mean <laughs> i thought i mean at first i was like oh god i hope she's okay but she was fine and the next day she she was like i'm so grateful and yeah. and you know, so now she must be like wow all these years I've been working to get my you know name out there and all I did needed to do was sleep. Yeah, exactly. Aaron Ingram writes, Hello, Craig and Kasha. Well, hello, Aaron. Mrs. Kasha Davis, I have to say that your previous interview with Craig and Kasha is one of my absolute favorite episodes. I replay that one every so often when I'm struggling with staying sober, and uh, I really find it so empowering. Knowing that I'm not alone makes all the difference in the world. I recently celebrated two years and six months from alcohol recently. Well, congratulations, by the way. Yes. With all the current stressors, how do you stay strong in your sobriety? And what's been the best piece of advice you've ever been given? If you happen to be a part of a 12-step program, I mean, you get so many different tools. 
those tools can be meditation. Those tools can be readings. Those tools can be prayer, depending on what you, you know, where you're at. But what's great is doing what we're doing right now. The meetings are all on Zoom and you can go on meetings all over the world and uh, you can join a meeting and be a part of that. And again, it's such a good feeling to know that you're not alone. And going back to that, that interview, you know, having Katya call, I mean, we had such a connection in so many different levels, but yeah. very important in my, in, in my sobriety. And we've had some really amazing conversations. And so by just that alone, you know, two people talking to each other is, it could be, could be that simple or listening to, re-listening to a podcast. And I find, you know, the connection with people, uh, whether it's over Zoom or calls, the readings and I, I also find it's really important sometimes to just get outside and look at nature. Mm-hmm. If you're not able to go outside and you're in a situation or a, a city where that's not possible, you know, it's, it's even just looking out the window and just taking some time to appreciate how small we are in the world and that you what you think is such a big major thing right. is, is small and just be in that moment and uh, it will pass as, as we said earlier in the conversation by just going through it. Back to the thing that we were talking about before with uh, kids and how the first heartbreak, the first this, they seem so um, inescapable. Like that's it, it forever. I'm going to feel this way. And one of the gifts of having those experiences over and over, even though they're still horrible every time that there's a breakup or there's some kind of devastating loss, you know, after a certain age or number of times that you've experienced it, that's not really dependent on age, that okay, this is horrible and I feel terrible, but. It's like, you know, remembering when you had the flu or something. Oh, so in so many weeks or at a certain point, I will be out of this and I will feel right. shitty for a while, but I'll get out of it. So that's something that always helps me if I'm in a bad way emotionally or, or mentally. Uh, and what about the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, gosh. We I mean, come back. So- Do you want to come back to that? We can come back to it. Yeah. I mean, I think we can come back. I think it sounds cliche, but the best piece of advice still holds true and it's being yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's, it was a lesson learned in many parts of my life and specifically on drag race. I was just something that people know of me. I was trying to be, if you see me now, you can see this is Mrs. Kasha Davis. And yeah. this is how I see Mrs. Kasha Davis. Yeah. If you watch drag race, there's a, there's a Mrs. Kasha Davis. That's a little bit different. Do I regret that? No, because I learned something from that. Right. Um, so it sounds so cliche, but I think that in in that respect, um, that that's that's something that I just think of, of often. Yeah, I can't think of a better piece of advice than that. And it is funny how you might think that you're doing that when you're younger, but you're still doing this thing where you're listening to again internalized criticism that then you take on as if you know that you should be acting a certain way to not curry favor with people, but to like be accepted or to be normal, you know? And then the great liberation of when you realize that that doesn't really work for you, because when you're not your authentic self, I find that you actually come into contact with a lot of more obstacles than you do when you're fully yourself and you avoid the things that you don't like or that don't match you. The best piece of advice I ever got People are going to tell you how they're going to treat you when you first meet them. So listen to their stories about other people. So if anyone thinks back to an ex that they had that was particularly awful to them, 
think back to when you first met them and their tales of their prior relationships. I would guarantee that you would find the same patterns in the stories that they told, but usually they'll flip the blame or something like that. So I love that. Isn't that incredible? Uh, she ends with saying, wishing you both lots of health and happiness and sending love from Arizona. XOXO Aaron. Well, Aaron, we're sending oh, all the love back to you. That's right. Lots of love back, especially to Arizona. Ooh, it's got to be nice and cozy and warm there. And then we have Dan Cronin. Hey, Dan. I know Dan from Massachusetts. And he writes, not so much of a question, but I did want to say that Mrs. Kasha Davis's prior appearance definitely helped keep me sober. I truly appreciated her sharing her story. It was truly inspirational and has helped keep me on the wagon. And it was such a pleasure to see her perform in Boston and quite an honor to be read by both her and Bianca. I died <laughs> and went to drag heaven that night. Also, thanks to both of you for keeping us sane during this quarantine. That's lovely, Dan. Yes. And then he adds, hope you're both staying happy and healthy during this crazy time. Much love to both of you and to Mr. Davis. Oh, that is so sweet. Isn't that lovely? Dan's a lovely, lovely fella. That is lovely. You know, one of the things that I started to think about that I don't think was mentioned uh, on our last interview, I'm not sure, but I think one of the greatest gifts that came out of sobriety for me was the opportunity to take a mirror and look at myself and see how I was part of the part of the problem in certain relationships. And my father and I, we just didn't get along mm-hmm. most of my life. And I thought I kind of resolved to the fact that it, that I would, uh, he would die and I would be like, okay with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, he ended up when he got sick, uh, he ended up, uh, prior to him getting sick, he came to see me in a show and he's the first one who called me a fairy. Really? And he came to see me in a show and, and uh, we had started, to, because I started to see that my side of the relationship had needed some fixing, he came to the show and he loved it. And uh, oh wow! he soon after passed away. I was able to say that I loved him, uh, which I never thought I'd say. And then he had, we were cleaning out of all, all of his stuff on his bedside table. There was a note uh, where he printed out my Instagram. Somebody printed out my Instagram post where I said my dad came to my show and I couldn't believe it. And his reply on the email was, yes, that's my son, Eddie, and I'm so proud. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What better gift in sobriety? But it took me to forgive him. Sure. And to look what I and and look at how I contributed to that relationship. Although I may not have as a child been necessarily at fault. There were times later on that I just held grudges for really lengthy amounts of time. And when I was able to learn that I, I could take ownership of that and forgive mm-hmm. him. We ended up having a nice relationship before he passed, which is like the greatest gift of sobriety. And that alone will drive me to say, I don't want to drink again because I don't know what else I might miss. I mean, I don't know what other wonderful moment um, this clarity has that, that it can give me. So, so I just wanted to add that in. Cause I can't remember if that was when, I don't, when think, that I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. And even if it was in there, it's a nice thing to restate, I think. Right. Because yeah, a lot of times people have problems with their parents or issues. And sometimes people can get to the point where they say, well, that's it. I've tried and I'm done. And right. I always feel sad for them because I always think about what if they never get to reconnect. And then, you know, there's nothing that can be done once they're not there anymore. So right. uh, it's a lovely story that you told. And I think hopefully... Uh, I'm sure it will inspire someone to maybe make a phone call that they weren't planning on. 
as I said that, my phone buzzed. So look, look the universe is so amazing. <laughs> See that? Yeah. And we move on to Christine Larkin, who writes, Hi, Mrs. Kasha. Have you noticed more fair-weather friends in the drag industry since getting sober? Fair-weather friends? Yes. <laughs> yeah? Entertainment industry in general. I just meet more people who are sober and who tell the same story that they could not have gotten to this, to the point that they're at. Sure. You know, without that, that, that process. And you know, there's all kinds of sober. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that some people, uh, there's no one way to do this. Some people they're they, they may have had, you know, heavy drug use and have gravitated to, you know, maintenance with other things, you know, it's, it's a process that's your individual process. Right. And I'm not the poster child for anything. I don't, I don't have it. I don't know it. Um, but what I find fascinating in people's stories is hearing that the process of just wanting to live and wanting to be their best self. Right. And sometimes that, that might mean it again, it's a different path. Um, but inevitably each person that I encounter, uh, in, in the industry that their, their success is greater because they're not crashing and burning when something doesn't go the right way. That's right. You know, yeah. um, you can kind of get through the tough spots and the good spots. And it's not so much about shame too, I think, because I think a lot of people get tied up in the shame aspects of having something that is maybe societally, um, frowned upon right but I, I i'm glad that we're getting to a place in culture and society that it's more of an understanding that it's not about some kind of a character failing so many people think it's a failure uh initially because the word powerless is said in in the 12-step program of aa and it's like there are different ways around that there's no shame i am proud i am proud to know to be able to say, I know that I'm an alcoholic yeah. because I know what it was like on the he- unhealthy side. And I know what it's like on the healthy side. Right. So I know, I know this about myself Yeah. and I'm proud to be able to share my story because I just don't know what I might say that could help somebody else. And that's what that's all about. Yeah. It's never going to change. I'm never going to just all of a sudden be wake up one day and that I'm no longer an alcoholic. Sure. Um, that's always, and, and Hey, I'm also addicted to things like granola or, you know, <laughs> you know shopping. Yeah. So, so an addictive personality is what it is. I was thinking about um, how prevalent cigarette smoking was in the 50s, 60s, whatever. The addictive personality, I think, is so much more common than it's not just like you have it or I have it or whatever. Right. Everyone has that. I mean, there are the rare birds that can, you know, smoke a cigarette once every three days or whatever. Like John F. Kennedy Jr. was supposedly like a one cigarette a day smoker. Um, right. But it's in everyone. And you can look at everyone's food habits or whatever. It, it, the, the human being is an addictive personality, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it feel, because it feels good. And it, yeah. it comforts in what, one way or another. Our addictions are, are comforting you, our, ourselves. Right. How can we comfort ourselves without the tangible? You know? Right. And that's. That's where the goal is that, is it a higher power? Is it just the act of helping someone else? Because it doesn't, it doesn't have to be one way. It could be what suits you. But what is something that's not physical that you ingest or uh, have to, to, to have in your hands? What's something yeah. that's invisible? Right. Something that's invisible, that's a ta- that feels, that can give you that satisfaction. It never feels 
as quick. Sure. Like you don't get you don't get that quick release or that quick rush. You know, veg out or rush. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, so uh, meditation or prayer or readings or running or nature, it takes a little more patience. Well, that's um, back to what we were saying earlier too about the applied discipline. How those things are ultimately so rewarding, but uh, it's a struggle to you know. Right. And even if it's not a struggle, it's uh, a matter of patience. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Christine continues by saying, "I love how considerate and kind you are to people online. Your posts make me feel like you really understand what it's like to feel forgotten or invisible." Much love to you, Christine. Oh, that is wonderful. Thank you. I I tweet after I meditate, and mm-hmm. um, I kind of. Like I said earlier about sitting and writing something, yeah, uh, it kind of cha- I, I call it like it just sort of channels through me. But I, I do. I feel like I've always felt affection for the underdog. Sure, whether it was of myself or my friends in school. Yeah, we had this sort of misfit groups group in high school. We were, you know, a whole conglomerate a conglomeration of different types of people. Yeah, and I just I feel like sometimes. You know, I know that people are out there. If I think it, somebody else is thinking it. If I'm comparing, yes. they're comparing. If I feel isolated and alone and unheard, so so is someone else. And uh, and that experience at in in a in a group rehab setting, when you look around the room, it's everybody's really different. Yeah. Yet we're all kind of feeling like we can relate. Is is what I'm trying to emulate there and just put out and and inevitably there's there's a positive response absolutely and the more you share the the quote-unquote scary stuff or potentially embarrassing things i find a tremendous liberation with that stuff obviously there's stuff that you don't share just because they're they're personal or they relate to someone else or whatever but anything that's mine alone i'm happy to share and then also as you have seen you get these messages from people that are so moving about how we you know brighten their days a little bit or something like that, which to me, I even get uh, almost like uh, choked up and it's hard for me to say, oh yeah, I brightened someone's day. You know what I mean? Because it, it almost feels like self-aggrandizing because it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, a lot to uh, accept, you know? But uh, I'm so thankful for all of that because I, I can't tell you the number of times where maybe I've, I've been overworking myself or I'm just depressed about something or I couldn't sleep. And then I get a note from someone in a DM or something telling me about how just like their morning was better because they woke up depressed. And then they said by the end of one of the lockdown episodes, they felt like dancing. Cause I always like to put a disco track at the end. And like that was, I mean, that what more could someone ask for? Like that is the greatest thing, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth that what better payment is there in, yeah. in, in, in the world right. than some, saying you helped somebody else, you know, um, and those sincere messages of gratitude just are better than any, any payment I've ever received. Absolutely. I know Paul Williams, one of my favorite composers calls stuff like that heart payments, uh, you know, cause he'll get l- letters about his songs and everything. And they're very emotional songs. He jokingly calls them codependent love anthems, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, like rainy days and Mondays and stuff. I mean, how many times have you listened to a song like that and it's, you know, it's lifted you up and you can still be blue. It's that funny thing too, but you know, when you're bummed out and you listen to sad music, it's like, you're still kind of sad, but it's like a better sad. Yeah. Our final question is from Flat Baby, who writes, I wanted to know if there's time for a cocktail. (laughs) Flat Baby just wants me to say, there's 
always time for a cocktail. Doesn't everyone always want you to say that? I mean, I do. Yeah, they do. And actually, that's not the last question. I was looking at the page wrong. So Andromeda Belly Dancer, a.k.a. Ann Webb Tomblin, writes, Hello, dearest Craig and Kasha. Well, hello, Ann. I hope you don't hello. mind me being slightly buzzed as I type this. I don't mind. Do you mind? I don't mind. Uh, she says, I've had a large lager and black current to help me cope with this shitty COVID situation. My husband and I are both healthcare workers on psychiatric units. He's just found out that one of his patients has tested positive for it, and several of his coworkers are ill. Having health issues of his own and being on medication that compromises his immunity, he's been advised by his physician on more than one occasion to stay home from work, but he said he would continue to go until someone on his unit tested positive. So, here we are. He's planning on taking a leave until things calm down, and I will continue to work and support us. Anyway, just wanted to share that and tell you that I adore you both. Thank you for carrying on with your beautiful attitudes and personalities. Also, I saw Mrs. Davis at the Bianca Show, and she is just a classic treasure. XOXO, Anne. Wow. That's an incredible message. And it's also incredible to think about being in that situation. Our healthcare workers are true angels right now. Yeah. And in this, in any situation, talk about, you know, selflessness and to be able to go out and, and in this time of uncertainty to go in every day and to to help people and to put themselves at risk. Oh, Max. (laughs) Is Max pissed at me? Have I kept you too long? He's he's decided it's time for a walk. Oh, okay. Um, but they they are our angels. Let's see. We move on to Holly G, who writes, Hello, Craig and Kasha. If memory serves me correctly, Mrs. Kasha and her husband are vegan, or at least eat a lot of vegan food. I'm vegan, but an absolutely horrendous cook. I can make pasta and saute a veggie, but that's about it. And that gets boring pretty fast. Do you have any beginner dishes that you'd recommend trying out? Uh, I'll, let me tell you something. I never thought on this face of this earth that I would ever go vegan. And Mr. Davis is a fantastic cook. Mr. Davis, though, yeah. loves to go online and he follows all different chefs and uh, different people on YouTube and uh, these different people. I One of the, his favorites, let yeah. me see if I can find it real quick, because I actually am hoping to interview her, is Tabitha Brown. Tabitha Brown. And, yeah, she's an actress as well, mm-hmm. and she does these quick TikTok and uh, Instagram little videos and does the recipes. Oh, We've cool. gotten some fabulous things from her. Yeah, um, believe it or not, this whole path of no, you know, no alcohol, now vegan. Yeah, I'm. I'm I think I'm on my eighth week of no caffeine. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I have no idea who I am. I don't know how to. Stop it. So, and fortunately, it's, I mean, it's helped me. I sleep, you know, my, we used to have, my grandmother used to say, she'd come to visit us and we're like, how are things? And she's like, I sleep. So we used to make fun of that. <laughs> I'm her. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I sleep. I know. It's so funny. I know. It is funny too. I, um, when I was recuperating from the stomach thing, uh, I, they said no, they said I could have caffeine, but they said, don't drink tea or coffee. And I was like, I'll just skip the caffeine, which I have not done since, I don't know. I mean, since I was like. 13 or well i mean I, me- I remember making my first pot of coffee when miami vice was still running on you know uh regular television <laughs> so right. um you're gonna stick with the no caffeine thing you think um not a hundred percent i think on occasion i'll have some, some sort of caffeine i think i was drinking a lot of coffee sure yeah and because of my drinking i had problems with my heart oh, okay and so that's all cleared up because I stopped drinking. Sure. And then I thought, 
well, I don't need to be drinking a whole pot of coffee, like, well, excuse me, like two pots of coffee a day. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I was kind of getting dizzy and I was like, this is just what, what's going on. And so uh, a friend of mine had stopped and actually Darian had stopped as well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, she could do it. I could do it. So <laughs> <laughs> inspiring each other. It's a lovely They're inspiring each other. Yeah. Who, by the way, would love to, to, to be a guest on your oh, show. Oh, I would sometime. love to talk to Darian. Yeah. That'd be, fa- yeah. that'd be fabulous. She, uh, she is just, just one of my favorites. We've become very close over the last couple of years. We're always friends. Yeah. We're much closer the last couple of years. And uh, she's just a hoot. And in terms of uh, dishes that I recommend for vegan, I have no idea because I've never made one. So I, I can't help <laughs> you with that. So I'm glad to give my contribution to that question. Uh, Sylvia Siffel writes, what's your favorite holiday destination to visit? Let's all live vicariously through your happy memories of travel. Oh, you know, because of Drag Race, I was fortunate enough to travel to Australia mm-hmm. and see so many places in Australia. That was a dream. Yeah. But my favorite, honestly, is going to London. I love it there. Me too. Yes. I just love it there. Now, I can't say a bad thing. I've enjoyed many places I've traveled in the U.S. I've enjoyed Palm Springs. Mm -hmm. I like to see the different cities. Of course, Chicago. I love love it. But London, there's a magic there. There's a vibration that I feel. And I always joke, if I were in a past life, I was a court jester <laughs> who always wanted to be a queen. Oh, yeah. And so sure. I came into this life and thought theater is where yeah. I first fit in, but then ended up being drag because I wanted to be a queen. So, um, but when I'm there, I just I'm just fascinated by the little small streets and yeah. the shops and the and the manners and and. The colloquialisms as well. The differences in language from town to town. You know, you can go three miles away and there's a whole different vernacular and a whole different cadence. I brought my show, There's Always Time for a Cocktail there uh, with a guy. Him and his partner were fantastic and they toured me around the first time. And he kept saying, you all right? And I'm like, I'm fine. (laughs) And he kept saying, you all right? And I was like, whoops. So one night he was out drink, he was drinking and I and he's like, Why are you getting aggravated with that? I'm like, if you ask me if I'm all right one more time, I keep telling you I'm fine. And he's like, that's not what I mean. So we had this cultural this exchange. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then I was like, Oh. So we joke we to this day we'll he'll text back and forth and we'll joke about it. But you know, I have found I used to be in my youth I was always about the beach and the heat. And now I like I seem to like the green or the a little bit of the cooler weather yeah. and uh, and and that's that's kind of where I'm at now like I would love to just spend some time again in Alaska I was I performed there once mm-hmm. twice and just go there three times just, a lady three times a lady <laughs> <laughs> I need to sing that song You should that'd be fantastic yeah. I would love to see I, that yeah because I do lady songs Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I could do a lot for a lady. Yeah. And and I'm a lady. I sing that. And uh, luck be a tuck and be a lady tonight. (laughs) So so that once, twice, three times a lady. I'm sold. I love it already. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to write that down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I have to agree with you about London. I love it. And I can't wait to one day go back there. Uh, the people are wonderful. I have a lot of friends there. I love everything about it, and I need to see more of it. I haven't really seen as much as I would like to, but that's kind of my way with the place. I think we were talking about your fantastic Paris plan, because right after DragCon, you went to Paris, and you like did it 
properly. And I went to Paris for a fabulous thing last year. I went to go uh, tape a show with Casey Spooner backstage at the Bataclan oh. before Violet's show. I have to tell you my quick story about Paris. So I think I saw it, t- told you that we were going there quick. We arrive. We're, we're let out and we're trying to get an Uber. Can't get an Uber. Try again. Can't get it. Can't, three, four, five times. So finally I said, look, let's just walk over this way. Maybe it's bad reception or a bad intersection. Let's go over here. So we go over and I'm doing like my like, okay, this will be fine. I don't know. You know, positive. Cause I'm a little nervous. Yeah. And we stand in front of this church and I'm like, oh, what a beautiful church. Let's, let's, this will be good luck. We'll do it here. We drive a few blocks down the road and I look. Miss Fame is in the street. Amazing. Modeling. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, stop the car. And he, you know, the driver's like, what, you know, and I'm like, stop the car. And I'm like, I, I, like whatever hair is left on my arms right now is standing up. <laughs> I open the door and I'm like, Miss Fame. And she's like, Kasha, like we have been messaging and staying in touch. Yeah. But that's the universe saying, no, don't take this Uber. Don't take yes. this one. That's Get exactly that right. Because you're going to see your friend. Yeah. Who we are so we're so connected on so many levels because of season seven, but she's also so important in my sobriety and just she's shared so many wonderful practices and yeah and there she was like an angel. Of course she's stunning, stunning, right? That, that always flowing, helps. Flowing, and then she's like, oh, and she's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, what are you doing? Like, how did this happen? Right? You know, it's so funny you mentioned that. It reminds me of when I met Fame. I met Fame when I turned up to have a chat with vanity when i was in australia and who was there was fame and we met and instantly there was a a a great connection we stayed in touch and then when i went to new york when she was in new york we had a fabulous taping and we've again like you said um you know been in touch and stuff uh and so when i've been going to uh paris we were trying to connect but you know i think i was there around fashion week so that's never forget it she's busy but she's so wonderful and that's such a lovely story and i love those things about uh, plans that don't work out sometimes work out for the best you know yes. like that yeah well i was gonna say it almost ties in a lot about what we've been saying like yeah we were all nervous and frustrated this isn't working the way we wanted to this isn't working and then when we gave it some time and moved our location and changed some things that's exactly the way it was supposed to happen. I found that a lot too in my London trip. There would be weird synchronicities that ended up uh, happening and then just going, oh, okay, that someone couldn't uh, tape tomorrow. And I just started almost getting to the mood where I can anticipate it. And I'd be like, that's fine because we can move it to another day. And then something would happen right. in the interim that made the taping more interesting and so on and so forth, you know? Rachel Jordi Zamo writes, I've waited so long for this moment, Kasha. Your last appearance on this show gave me a very stark awakening. It was the breakthrough moment I needed in which I realized I too was an alcoholic and had to get help. But cut to now and 18 months of sobriety later, and I am forever super grateful to all four of you, Katya, Craig, Kasha, and Jujubi, for changing my life. As cliche as it might sound, it's funny that phrase has come up a lot in this show, uh, your openness and honesty truly helped me to make this vital change before it was too late. So, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so, so very much. I hope that we can meet someday when you're next in the UK and this whole thing is all over. It really would be an absolute honor to thank you in person. I also love your inspiring tweets and your reminders to be where your feet are. If this isn't too personal, I'd like to ask what some of the things are that you've been doing in quarantine to keep you on the right sober path. Personally, I'm struggling with having such a disruption to my routine, especially not being able to go to work, but I'm trying to make a new normal the best that I can. Wow. What a beautiful message. Isn't it? She's lovely. Yeah. So lovely. And, and like, 
I said earlier, I mean, there's no greater gift in, in knowing that you're doing the right thing to help others by just sharing your truth. Right. Um, you know, as, as we mentioned earlier, it's, it's, it's finding that schedule at home in terms of the meditation and, and, and readings that I do. And, and a lot of this, you know, uh, the self-help books that I read, but I also just get on YouTube, as we said earlier, and I find other talks and other um, things, whether it's on sobriety mm-hmm. or, you know, self-help or mindfulness. Sure. All of that really comes into play because right now, none of us know what this is going to look like because we've, right. it's, we're on it together. So what's kind of unique and, and, and nice is that in a way, the entire world is facing being powerless right? and right. having to live one day at a time and having to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one way that she can help others is to, buy, uh, uh, to stay sober is to help others and to if find ways to people who are struggling maybe worse than, than I am. If I reach out to them and help them, then suddenly I feel better. Sure. You know, that's, that's something that, who can I contact today uh, of my list of people that I stay in touch with in my sobriety circle and see how they're doing? Yeah. Send a, send a goofy text to, to Katya. (laughs) Right. No, exactly. (laughs) The vital importance of doing things for others. It it creates a terrific loop, you know, and, and also it's a good way to look after your own self-interest where sometimes people can make the mistake of thinking, well, I don't want to be selfish or I don't want to put my needs before someone else's. But in a way, you should put your needs before anyone else just because it's back to loving yourself first. But then to increase that love and to increase your well-being, you extend it to others. And that is actually an act of self-love as well as being of service to other people. I love that. Oh, good. I'm glad it made sense. (laughs) You never know. Sometimes the mouth stops and you go, well... uh, Uh, Karen DeCastro writes, Hi, Mrs. Kasha and Craig. Well, hello, Karen. Hello, hello. Mrs. Kasha, I just wanted to say thank you for the daily affirmations you tweet out during this lockdown. You've really helped me get through some of the more challenging days. I suppose my question is, how are you able to stay positive during such an unpredictable time? I think you, you've answered, but if you have any further thoughts on that. You know, I've been trying to find a way to touch on this. And, and as I waited, here's the, here, here's the opportunity. <laughs> Gratitude... I don't know if you can see my arm. Oh, okay, cool. yeah. My, oh, perfect. Yeah, that's first, lovely. Yeah. My first tattoo, uh, and I, I was like, what? What's the most important thing? Is it Steve? Is it Max? Is it my daughter's? Is it Tina Turner? Gratitude saves my life on a daily basis. Sure. If I can't get to where my feet are. Yeah. I have to be grateful for this conversation, for the different whatever I can find. Gratitude in the moment, only as you even just said a moment ago brings you first full circle and brings you more. Yes. So again, by, by vocalizing that and putting it out into the universe, gratitude says to the universe, this, you know, you want more. If you say, I hate the situation, I hate the situation. The universe gives you more of hating the situation. Yes. Yeah. That's so true. It really is like, for instance, the, the bad moods that I was, I I'll be going through during this whole era. Uh, I'm, you know, grateful for them because one, because I'm great. One one thing that makes me think of is 
being grateful for the moment where I had my first big cry during this whole era. You know, it was like the, the, the really wrenching sobs that I hadn't experienced since my pet died years ago. And it was prompted weirdly by a Todd Rundgren song, uh, Bang on the Drum All Day, not even one of his weepies. And, right. and, and because it was sort of that thing of almost like the way, you know, a song can be so brilliantly used in a film where it's the uh, counter to actually what the song is, because it's such a joyful song. And I just burst into tears. But then I was so grateful for that, you know, overwhelming, difficult pool of emotion that I was uh, drowning in. Because then that started me thinking about like, okay, then I just recorded the first entry into this series, which was originally just Patreon only. And then the folks at Hot Dog Club agreed with me that maybe we should share it with everyone. And so uh, even the, 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 some of the episodes I put up are short and they're just me being really cranky. <laughs> <laughs> or feeling a fucked up kind of way because it's a crazy fucked up time that we're in right but i'm grateful for a the ability to be able to share with others and then have them share their feelings back because the listeners you know write in about how they're doing and feeling to that point let me just remind everyone please email me at whimsicallyvolatile at gmail.com with lockdown feelings in the subject header and uh well, i'm going to be reading all of them on the show and there's a lot of them so some of them might not i might not get to for a little bit but we'll get to all of them and then um, when we were talking about doing things for others, so uh, so say that this is something that uh, helps other people. Their submissions to me help me because then I can uh, not avoid the news, not avoid the situation, but actually put myself right into the situation and um, uh, keep myself accountable for staying present with how I'm feeling and all of that because I have to process it because I've made this thing now where that's the idea that I share that and that they share with me. And so I'm so thankful for all of it. And it's a way for me to process everything that's going on and, and attempt to make a positive out of it. <laughs> well, you are, you really are. And just by these messages alone, you know, you can hear that people are so appreciative and that that's why I was so excited to be able to be a part of this again. Oh, thank you so much. And I, I, again, this was wonderful to have you on again. And we'll have to do it another time soon. And then it, we'll talk about a movie club sometime. That'll be fun. And oh, and actually, that's the last of our uh, listener questions. I'd like to mention to everyone who hasn't heard the listener questions episodes uh, from Hot Dog Club. This is a great example of one. This is what one of the reward tiers would be if you were on Patreon. So uh, if you've been considering Patreon and not taking the plunge yet, Go ahead, because you know what? You deserve it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Take the plunge. Exactly. Take it. Exactly. Yeah. It's always what else do you have to do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Got a lot of time, and, I, and there's a lot of and there's a lot of long shows because I can, I, you know, I like to talk. So um, that brings us, I think, to the end of the episode because I know you got to take Max for a walk, right? Well, Max is <clears throat> Max is outside right oh, now. I see. Okay. I have, but I have a bunch of cameos to do next. Yes. Which I, which are fun. Yeah. And, and a fun uh, thing to get your friends, by the way, everyone. So while you're taking the plunge over at Patreon, head on over to Cameo and load yourself right. up. Yeah. Exactly. It's, you know, it's, it's again, another great way to stay in touch with people. Sure. It's, it's, you know, for a, for a little fee. Um, for me, I, mine are $20. I put them on sale for because of, you know, they were more money before. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make them $20 because it's going to give me something to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll get 15 or 20 of them at a time. And why not? You know, yeah. I, I chit chat with people and, you know, people are probably, it's difficult financially right now. Sure. Why not? Yeah. No, that's beautiful. And also, you know, they provide joy for people. And it's a, a wonderful thing. I'm actually going to, I've signed up. I haven't 
launched it yet. But I'm going to do that in the next week. I'm trying to balance my my days where I'm like, okay, not to not don't fill up my plate too much, which is a habit of mine. I'll just be like, yeah, yeah. I'll book that and I'll do that. And I'll, yeah, that'll be fine. And then you know, so uh, like tonight is going to be movie night. I think let's see after I, I take a nap or what happens, you know, like <laughs> yeah. all the best plans. But uh, I want to thank you again for doing this. I look forward to talking with you again soon. And um, I send all my love to you and, uh, and Stephen. And uh, I'm looking yes. forward to when we can hang out in person. But until then, we'll be in touch online. Lots of love back. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you.